How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. You only want what's best for your baby. And so does BJ's. BJ's offers a variety of baby products that will take you from playtime to bath time to bedtime and beyond. Shop now through September 24th at BJ's for $3 off Johnson's, Aveeno, or Desitin baby products. Only the best will do when it comes to caring for your little ones and for parents, too. Give your baby that special care and save big at BJ's. Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. Those two guys, right there, are going to uh, wow and amaze you for the next hour or so. <laughs> or else. <laughs> amaze. We're going to amaze ourselves that we're going to stay awake for this long. <laughs> wow. I am John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. And we are those guys that are responsible for the approach shot. We are indeed, and happy about it, especially with what we got going on today. Yeah, man. Once again, a, a veritable coup in the guest category. Indeed. Let's let's dangle that carrot for a bit. But how's your week going? <laughs> uh, the week is, you know, it's it's been. Uh, I, I can't play golf. I have no new golf stories. I got seventy degrees and sunny out, mm. and yet I have yet to go out there. <laughs> but the course that I just um, went to to check out the other day is an executive. They call it an executive, but what that really means is old people playing par threes. Mm -hmm. And I was really impressed with the fact that the shortest hole, the guy tells me the shortest hole is 60 yards. Cool. And I, and I thought when I get up there, I'm just going to throw the ball and see how I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck with that. Leave the clubs in the car and just wail it. <laughs> you know, I think you're just missing the point there, Neil. <laughs> but, I, I, I may be standing at the tee with a disc golfer and we'll start something completely new. <laughs> oh, man. I, have you ever played on any of the courses that have both the uh, the disc and the foot golf also? The disc I have, but I haven't seen the foot golf yet. Yeah, that's that's the soccer ball golf. The one course I went to that had all three simultaneously working – it looked to me like the father and the mother were playing golf and the children were playing the foot golf because, you know, everybody's got their kids in soccer these days. So it just yeah. fit. Not a, not a big fan of the foot golf concept. I'm sure you know somebody who owns a swimming pool mm-hmm. and there's a sign outside a swimming pool that says, don't pee in my pool. I don't swim in your toilet. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. Don't play soccer on my golf course and I won't hit balls in your soccer field. <laughs> I also saw a sign in a men's room once that said, we aim to please. You aim to uh. please. Okay. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Who we got? We actually are like super stoked. I'm, I'm kind of shaking at the idea of having on our first guest who is a tennis legend, though he won't call himself that. Um, he was, at one point, uh, a couple of years ago, the number one American tennis player in the world and the number four overall tennis player in the world. And he is James Blake. Oof. I know. Indeed, man. And then coming up after James on Golf is a Funny Game mm-hmm. is a funny guy. It is Bill Benden, and you're going to want to stick around for him as well. And you know he's funny because he spells Bill with only one L. One else. In fact, since we talked to him, since we started talking to him, I have been looking everywhere for his L and I cannot find him. He's he's probably really, really popular around Christmas because he's got no L, no L. I'm I'm so sorry. You should be. (laughs) You're going to be docked for that one, man. All right. James Blake is coming up. Bill Benton is coming up after that. It is the approach shot. Hang out with us.
playoffs? You want to talk about playoffs? Yes, that's right. Football's playoffs start this weekend. And there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't checked out the app yet, there is no better time to sign up and start cashing in. Hey, it's Neil Michaels to let you know that DraftKings is celebrating the most exciting time of the football season by giving you the chance to double your money. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored during Saturday's football games. That's right. Once you opt in and place your bet, all you have to do is sit back and wait for one touchdown. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code APPROACH when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in one of Saturday's football games. That's code APPROACH for new players to get a shot at doubling their money for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way. We'll help you instantly. Call 877-518-3283. That's 877-518-3283. And thanks for coming back. And listen, let's not beat around the bush. Tell them who we are and why we're here. I'm Neil Michaels. I'm John Ashton. And today we have a very special guest with us. Um, I say that every week, but I think today's is the mostest special. Don't you, John? The the specialist we've had this week. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) I want to read his resume, but it would take the entire show. So let's just call him tennis great, bordering tennis legend. Ten singles champions, seven doubles career titles, ranked as high as number four in the world, and the number one American singles player. It's tennis great James Blake. James, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. That's a pretty big border if you're going to throw me into the legend status. Uh, that's, a, that's a wide, <laughs> wide border. In, in women's golf, they have the legends, which basically is a very nice way of saying they're old. Yeah, yeah. That's, definitely. I'm on the Legends <laughs> Tour for tennis too, similarly, which we uh, which we uh, we call slow motion tennis is, is what we call it now. <laughs> not, not quite the same as it used to be. That's my first question, man, and it's the same thing that happens with most athletes, baseball players, and football players and stuff. Does time actually slow down in your head? Can you see a hundred mile an hour serve coming at you, or do you just yeah. react to the sound? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good question because now it does seem so fast. If I go out and I, I I'll hit with or work with uh, some of the young players, some of the guys that are still on tour, it does seem so much faster. But when you were in it, when I was in it, it didn't seem like that because you're doing it over and over, and you're just I mean drilling that into your head. I'm sure similar to golf, where you're just doing the same shot over and over and over, it becomes almost automatic. So when you're seeing 130 mile an hour serve and you have less than a half a second to respond or react you do it without even thinking because you've done it so many times. So in that Mm -hmm. sense, it does slow down because you've done it so many times. So it's so natural to you to have seen that serve over and over and over again. So you're not just sticking your racket out and hoping. (laughs) Well, sometimes you are. It depends who's serving at you. When you got Sampras or Roddick or Isner serving at you, sometimes you're just sticking your racket out and hoping for the best. I I wonder, John, if you and I tried this, if a half second would be enough time to drop the racket and put our hands over our head. (laughs) (laughs) Curl up in the fetal position and protect yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm sure there are a bunch of people who are listening who are thinking, wow, one of the greatest tennis players of our generation. What the heck is he doing on a golf podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good question as well. I'm, In fact, I mean, it's the question I'm, he was asking himself just a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that this uh, I, I, physically I can't exactly play tennis like I used to, I can still uh, get out and have some fun and get the competitive juices out and playing some golf. And I, I've loved it. Kind of got hooked. I got the the bug sort of um, back in in '08 actually. Is when I first sort of picked it up. Was I lived at a place that was 
pretty much on a golf course, but I didn't get a ton of time to play because I was always so focused on tennis. And then after the Olympics in 08, I had had a long year in 2006, a long year in 2007. And then in 2008, it was just sort of a mad scramble up until the Olympics and then going right into the U.S. Open. And my coach and I kind of talked and said, you know what, it's just uh, you're burned out. You need uh, you need a couple weeks off. And throughout my career, I, I very rarely took time off unless I absolutely needed to for injury or illness. So I took those two weeks to say, you know what, I'm going to put the rackets down and just get away for, for a bit. And being right on a golf course, I'm like, you know what, 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 what can I do that's not going to injure me, that's going to be fun, that I can try to kind of pick up. And I, I started playing uh, a little bit more golf and played probably just about every day. And that was the first time in my life I felt like I got better at golf. Because before mm-hmm. that, I would go out and play a couple times a year just with my buddies and right. take a big old baseball swing at it and have some fun and and then that was the first time I kind of tried to, to actually play golf and I got a, got a little bit hooked. And now that I got a little more time on my hands, I can play, uh, play when I get the chance. I believe the word that the person who introduced us used was golf nut. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. And I, I assure you, my wife would agree. Um, I, I still think it's, it's a constant, uh, constant debate of I, I think I should be playing more golf and she thinks I play way too much. So it's always a, <laughs> Always a little bit of a struggle, so I, I I would I could say that's pretty accurate though. Very good friend of ours is a um, one of the best golf instructors in the country, and he when he takes his junior students on suggests that they take up a second game, and he recommends primarily tennis in order for them to develop their hand-eye coordination. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of golfers that really like tennis. I've gotten to know a decent number of players, uh, both PGA and LPGA, and it seems like a lot of them really like tennis. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a little bit, to me, I feel like there's a little bit of a kindred spirit in the fact that golf, you have your your caddy out there, but for the most part, you're in your own mind. You're thinking out there. You're problem-solving on your own. And in tennis, similar. You're out there on your own. You're doing something that's competitive, athletic. You're out there on your own. And I feel like golf, has a lot of that and tennis has a lot. I'm, I'm always in awe of the PGA and LPGA players, their mental capacity. I, I always think it's silly to have the, the debate about whether golf is a sport or an activity or whatever. I mean, the <laughs> mental capacity for golf is, in my opinion, greater than any other sport because like you were talking about with returning 130 mile an hour serve, that can be reactionary. That's muscle memory. You don't have time to think and rethink and do something wrong and, and, you know, sort of freeze up because of the, the pressure. Whereas golf, every single shot, you have that. Yeah. And I think that's so impressive to go through four days of every single shot being under that much of a microscope. So I'm always impressed by it. So I think for some reason, golfers seem to like tennis players for the, the same yeah. the same reason. I think they have a, a sort of a respect for it. You know, it's it's interesting now that you've just turned 40, that you would think that you would go from a, a smaller ball to a bigger ball because you can see it better but it looks like you're going yeah. in the wrong direction yeah yeah I, I mean i'm definitely starting to lose uh, you said i'm turning 40 when i when i start looking out and and trying to see where the ball hits i'm, I'm starting to realize that that i, I am 40 and that the eyes are starting to go and everything's uh everything's breaking down a little more but i, I think if i was on the tennis court it would be even more apparent because when i do get out there and play tennis i i realize how uh how far from what I used to be able to do is is from me these days. You know, one of the things that really bothers a lot of amateur golfers is the, uh, you mentioned the pressure, but it's the peer pressure. It's the pressure of being on the first tee with people watching. Uh, you know, it's the <laughs> yeah. pressure of being on the 18th fairway coming into a green where all the people are hanging out at the at the snack bar watching. Yeah. Having it's- been in under the pressure situations of being a professional athlete, do you still feel that kind of pressure when you play golf? So not that often, but the times I've done, um, whether it be that Tahoe, the celebrity Tahoe event or the, the AT&T out in a, a Pebble Beach, those I definitely felt nervous because to me, it's not the nerves of competition or crowds or anything. It's the fact that you're not prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was playing tennis, it didn't matter if there were 20,000 people, 100,000 people, a million people watching on TV. I was prepared. I had done all the practice I needed to do. I knew how good I was. I knew that I was ready for that moment. Gotcha. When I step out on uh, on the golf course, you know, I play once, you know, a couple times a week and maybe practice once in a while in between there. And so I get out there and I'm, I got a downhill lie in a bunker and there's crowds around. 
I'm nervous because yeah. I'm not I'm not 100 percent confident that that ball is going on the green. Yeah. So it's um, nor yeah, should you be. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I do get I feel those nerves and I feel that that pressure because there are people out there, especially the AT and T, because you got pros. You're playing with pros, and the crowds are standing close as if you're a pro. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not a pro. I, I'm aware of that, and so that made me a little bit nervous because I wasn't prepared for that situation. I equate that to being you know you're in front of your class you know and you're you're doing a speech and you've prepared immensely for it you're ready to give your speech and then at the last second they say oh you know what we're just going to change the topic now we're going on uh, nuclear physics <laughs> and you're standing there in front of them and you're not prepared and then you you go from being not nervous at all to you're pouring sweat so that's the way i feel when i get on the golf course in front of a huge crowd it doesn't have to be huge i think mean, four is big <laughs> right. Some of those yeah yeah so you've had a chance now that you've started becoming this golf nut to play with a, a, a bunch of people, uh, uh, friends and, and former athletes and stuff. Tell us uh, one of your favorite stories about being out on the course. Well, probably too many of them involve gambling, but um, <laughs> I would say one of my one of my favorites, which is not going to put me in a good light. I've gotten to be friends, like I said, with some of the PGA Tour golfers is Sergio Garcia is a, is a good friend. There were seven of us. We were celebrating a friend of ours uh, at a bachelor party. I mean, decided to do it in Austin. Sergio was there as well. So we decided to have seven of us. And it ranged from four handicap to about 12. And we played seven against his one ball. Our best ball <laughs> against his one. At his course at Austin, uh, Austin Country Club. And we lost. And um, that is somewhat embarrassing. But the pride I take in it is that was the last round he played before he got on the plane the next day to go to Augusta and the year he won it. Cool. Fantastic. Oh, there so you go. I'd like to say that we prepared him yes. for that, you know, that top <laughs> mentality of beating seven hackers out at Austin country <laughs> club, you know, of the pressure that it takes to, you know, to get up and down on 13, uh, out of the, out of the bushes in, in, uh, in the masters. So I think we, you know, we definitely deserve a little piece of that victory. But James, let me give you just a little bit of advice. If you ever get invited by um, Michael Jordan to come play at his new course, don't go. Don't go. You couldn't. Oh, af- no. You couldn't afford it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's, so a, he's, he's he's rather heavy better, from what I understand. Uh, yes, he is, and I know that. I know that firsthand. I've, I've gotten a. You know, they always say don't meet your idols. He was my idol growing up. The person mm-hmm. I, I had posters of him all over my wall and everything, and got to meet him. And uh, they say they'll they'll let you down. He did not let me down. He was funny. He's hilarious. He's talking trash nonstop and gambling nonstop. And I, I absolutely loved it just for the fact of getting to be around him and seeing how competitive he is. And I have gotten to play golf with him once. It didn't cost me too much. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of, and it was, it was a ton of fun. So I, I love that, but I, I will, uh, I will have to hit him up to maybe play that course sometime, and I'll have to I'll have to save my money before I go down there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bobby Weed is the golf architect who designed that course for, uh, okay. for Michael, and we talked to him on our other podcast those weekend golf guys, and uh, and I asked Bobby, "Do you get to play whenever you want to?" And he said, "Oh yeah, basically." And I said, "Do you play with Michael?" He said, "No, I only did that once, and I can't afford to do it anymore." <laughs> so. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that sentiment of getting to play with him once. Yes. Do you have a uh, like like many uh, pro athletes? Do you have a, uh, a charitable foundation, James? I do. It's uh, yeah. It's just the James Lake Foundation. It goes. To, it's for cancer research. Father passed away in two thousand four, and I actually tried to do a one time memorial uh, event, and I did that in two thousand five. I wanted to do it with friends, just because my dad was was so social. He had so many people that mm-hmm. uh, that loved him and cared about him. So I did it with Andy Rod- a tennis event with Andy Roddick, and then um, I grew up with John Mayer. So I asked him and he immediately said, yeah, happy to help. And so he did the music. I also became friends with Gavin DeGraw. He performed. And so after I did that once, I kind of said the outpouring of support I'm getting from the fans and from other athletes and musicians, I can't stop doing this. And so it's been ever since 2005. And we we just donated over $1.2 million to Sloan Kettering, Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York. Fantastic. For my dad's patient. And it's all for early detection cancer research. You also do a, a poker tournament, don't you? We just did a virtual poker tournament. We've mm-hmm. done uh, live ones before, and uh, hopefully, you know, once uh, once things get back to some semblance of normalcy, we'll we'll hopefully be able to do live ones again. Um, that's another one of my sort of pastimes is getting to play some cards. Uh, just as you you pass the time a lot on the tour, and 
I picked up some, uh, some poker and things like that. So yeah, we do a poker event and we do, um, we usually, one of our biggest events is actually the, the New York city marathon. Usually we weren't able to do that this year either, but hopefully next yeah. year we'll, we'll be able to do that. Makes me think that that's, that seven to one that you were playing against Sergio started you down the path of, of gambling, which turned into a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it has at times. Um, but yeah, uh, Sergio, Sergio, we weren't, we, we know better than to be, to be putting money on that one. That was just pride. And, and we lost plenty of that pride, but it was, uh, it was fun. But the question That's now it. arises, James, is why not a golf tournament? Yeah, uh, we've thought about doing that. Um, I just, I feel like there've been a lot of those. I mean, I live in San Diego now and, and there's a lot of charity golf events that are out here. So mm-hmm. instead of possibly going with what seems to be the norm, we try to do somewhat different things with the poker event, with we do little dinners. Um, we did a, an event with Chef Richard Blaze not too long ago. And we do we do things that are maybe a little bit different. But at some point, I would I would love to do a golf tournament. The ones that I go to, the charity events, I always go to the David Wells one out here. There's a bunch of them that are a ton of fun and I would love to do one of those one day. It's just it doesn't uh, it hasn't worked out quite yet. Gotcha. Okay. Let's let's give him a little shout out here too. If if uh, if you're looking to donate, go to jamesblaketennis.com backslash foundation, and uh, you'll get all the information there about uh, dedicating to cancer research and finding a cure. Appreciate that. We are with James Blake on the approach shot, and we'll be right back. Hey John, I'm so excited. My every plate box arrived. You know that I do the grocery shopping and cooking at my house, so I was really excited to see what every plate had to offer. I mean, I already knew every plate is the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery, and that every plate offers contactless delivery right to your door. But I gotta tell you, I wasn't sure how good the meals would be, because this is America's best value kit with meals priced at $2.99 per meal for three weeks. You heard me, $2.99 per meal. That's less than a cup of coffee and way less than every other home meal kit. But the proof is in the food. Not to make your mouth water. Okay, maybe a little bit. Last night, I made these incredible pork chops with an amazing sauce, mashed potatoes, and zucchini. It was so delicious. And from box to our dinner plates, it took only 30 minutes with simple-to-follow instructions. So, tonight, it's going to be chicken sausage linguine. Be jealous. Be very jealous. Or better yet, get three weeks of Every Plate meals for yourself for only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code APPROACH3. That's $2.99 per meal at everyplate.com and enter APPROACH and the number 3. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Generic Sildenafil allows you to save up to $650 on Viagra. Why pay name brand prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get the same results for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 50 generic Sildenafil pills for just $99. Call 800-590-0443. That's 800-590-0443. Again, 800-590-0443. Thanks for hanging and coming back. This is the Approach Shot. I'm John Ash. I'm Neil Michaels, and we have James Blake as our guest. And we've been talking about tennis, of course, and James's love for golf. Now, I do want to talk to you about um, what happened back in 2004. And, and for those of you who are fans of James, you know that that was not his best year. Um, that's the year that he broke his neck while, while practicing. You know, that had to have been a rough time. As we are the approach shot, we like to talk to people about, you know, how they approach life and how in situations where things aren't going well, how do you muster up the strength to come back? So for you, it was, I mean, e- even more difficult because you're an athlete. How do you go from a broken neck as a tennis player in, you know, what had to have been the, the height of your career to making your way back? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a big question for me because I, um, I ended up writing a book about it so that I could fill up your entire, your entire podcast and, and probably then some talking about 2004 and beyond. But I joked that year and since then that breaking my neck was the best thing that happened to me that year because um, I really had pretty much a trifecta of rough happenings that, at that time. And I broke my neck first, flew home, and was lucky enough. The reason I say it was the best thing that happened to me was because I flew home 
when my dad was very sick and I got to spend the last six weeks of his life with him mm-hmm. uh, when he was battling uh, cancer. Yeah, he was a very proud man. And had I not gotten injured, um, that was the time when I was looking to qualify for the 2004 Olympics. The French Open was coming up. There's no way my father, I was supposed to be in Europe that entire time. There's no way he would have ever let me know how sick he was or let me come home. So I do think things happen for a reason. I was home with my dad for that time. And, and I think that was the best thing for me in the long term. So then I lose my father. And um, about a week later, um, I got sick. I ended up getting uh, shingles, uh, zoster, and it affected my facial nerve. So it paralyzed the left side of my face, affected my hearing, uh, my sight, my uh, my, uh, my balance and everything. So I couldn't, I couldn't go out uh, on the court for for quite a while. And I knew that. And it was, I think my body letting me know I needed to shut down. I needed to be at home with my, with my family, with my friends and, and spend some time away from the court. So to go further to how I got back, it was a day-to-day process. And I, I credit my coach, Brian Barker, a lot with it, but we always had this mentality of instead of setting a goal five years down the road, that seems so far away. If I, if I had said at that time, you know what, Next year, I want to be in the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. Two years from now, I want to be four in the world, top five in the world, better than I've ever been before. It would have seemed impossible. So instead, what I did was I tried to win every day and try to figure out a way to to get better. And some days, all that was was being able to get out of my bed and walk to the end of the street and back without getting dizzy and falling down. Mm. So as it got better, it was, you know what, we can get out on the court for 15 minutes. And then it was, I can't do that anymore. I need to take a day off because it just, it, it, it drained too much for me. And eventually it was, what can I do every day? And there was 30 minutes on the court, 45 minutes on the court. I can just, I can stand there and without moving because it would mess up my, my eyesight or my balance. And I can just drill back ends. I can just hit them just standing in one spot and hit back ends all day. And then it just got better and better and better. And then before I knew it, it was a year later and I was back on tour and I was appreciating everything. I had a great perspective on how quickly everything could be taken away. Because at that time, I was starting to think about other professions. I was thinking about what else I could do because I didn't know if I'd ever play tennis again. It gave me a whole new perspective on how lucky I was. I mean, I think athletes a lot of times appreciate that, but sometimes not entirely, not fully realize that this is a finite career you have and you only have so many years to, to peak and to be yeah. uh, chasing the sun and doing what you love for a living and having fans cheer every single thing you do every time you do something great. Cause nowadays when I, uh, when I make pancakes well in the morning for the kids, I don't, I don't get standing <laughs> ovations. You know, you don't, you don't get that adulation. So I think, you know, you, you tend to appreciate that more when you realize it can be taken away at any time. Kids, you know, man. I, think- I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, these kids, they just don't, yeah, it's unbelievable. There's no standing ovations out of them. <laughs> you don't get that little trophy that says dad of the year? <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't gotten that one yet, no. I think that's amazing that you say just win every day because there are so many people that are dealing with things in their life that they're dealing with, and, and it does. It looks way too big to try to get to that large goal. So if you just win every day, then, you know, life is good. And, and this is coming from the sexiest male athlete of 2002. So. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm so, so proud of. I was really, really thrilled to, to get that one. That was the, uh, the validation that I really, really needed from being the five foot tall kid in a back brace when I got into high school. So that was, uh, that, as much as I got made fun of for that one, that was pretty, that was pretty funny. I think as your kids get older, you need to say that to them. If they start to give you stuff, you can say, Hey, I was the sexiest male athlete of 2002. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the kids do not take that anything I say seriously. They sure won't take that seriously. I don't think. <laughs> we just heard the ESPN stinger uh, behind you. You're now working with ESPN doing yep. uh, some tennis analysis. How's that going? It's been great. You know, ESPN, this is my first time working with them at the U.S. Open. And um, I've been with Tennis Channel before that. You know, ESPN is a ton of fun. It was a very weird situation this year because there were no fans uh, with COVID and the bubble right. that we were in. It was strange to be in the stadium. And as a commentator, a lot of times you want to play off the crowd. You want to give tons of information early in a match. You want to talk about the matchups. You want to talk about what players are going to try to do, how they do it, you know, give all that information. And then towards the end of the match, you want to let the drama build and you want to let the match speak for itself a lot of times. Yeah. And this time you have to adjust because it was difficult to do that because you would think this there's a huge dramatic point in a match and you hear the crowd go crazy and you, you just play off of that. And this year, 
so many times we had to fill with, you know, this would be a moment that would be bringing the crowd to its feet. This, these players would be, ner- they would, you would see the tension, you would see the nerves and it was just a little different. A lot of times you, you can artificially provide inspiration when you're out there, you can feed off the crowd. This year, mm-hmm. not being able to do that, it's all inside you. And yeah. so the players that did well, I give a ton of credit to them because there are some players that I don't think are are very capable of doing that, of having their own motivation every single time they step out on the court and trying to do that seven matches in a row. It's got to be tough, man. Got to be tough to do that. Yeah. I mean, You'll- it's somewhat like a golfer. You know, they, they're yeah. out there by themselves doing it all on their own. Yeah. You'll feel a lot of that when you the more you play. Just be feeling like you need to come up with your own inspiration. <laughs> yeah. And a compass yeah. to get out of the woods. That's, I found that to be helpful, too. Yes, uh, I need that sometimes. It's nice to, to actually meet the guy who beat me out for Sexiest Athlete of the Year in 2002. <laughs> I heard it was – I heard. I think the ballot box might have been stuck. We might need a recount for it. I think – I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we need, uh, we needn't go there. I just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> we, James Blake, you know, just congratulations on what you've accomplished. On, Thank you. I don't know if you want to call it a comeback or not, but of, <laughs> of continuing to accomplish stuff in your chosen field. I mean, it's just kind well, of inspirational you. for a lot of people. And we do appreciate yeah. you, uh, your ability to do that and talking about it. And, and let's go play some golf, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I can't get enough of it. So I'd be happy to any excuse to get out there. I'm, I'm in for it. Come on out to Del Mar country club. Anytime. I'll be there. There, I'll be there plenty. All right. Just, there just don't bring Sergio as your partner and we'll be fine. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I may need him. I need that help. Yeah. Well, James, again, great to meet you, man. And thanks for spending time with us right here on the approach. My, my pleasure. Thanks guys. But wait, there's more comedian Bill Benden with golf is a funny game. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way. We'll help you instantly. Call 877-518-3283. That's 877-518-3283. Playoffs? You want to talk about playoffs? Yes, that's right. Football's playoffs start this weekend, and there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't checked out the app yet, there is no better time to sign up and start cashing in. Hey, it's Neil Michaels to let you know that DraftKings is celebrating the most exciting time of the football season by giving you the chance to double your money. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored during Saturday's football games. That's right. Once you opt in and place your bet, all you have to do is sit back and wait for one touchdown. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code APPROACH when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in one of Saturday's football games. That's code APPROACH for new players to get a shot at doubling their money. For a limited time only, at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And now, it's time for... Golf is a funny game. Wait a sec. What's your problem? Oh, it's dark. I can barely breathe. Pull your head out. Back to your hosts, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. Thank you, Mr. Big Voice, who clearly is off his meds. <laughs> hey, it's time for Golf is a Funny Game, sponsored by DraftKings. Whoa. That's a good way to get money out of them. <laughs> Sponsoring, I'm, have them sponsor I'll, something. Otherwise, you have to win. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not right. really good at that. <laughs> well, Golf is a Funny Game is our uh, segment where we feature some of today's top comedians. And today joining us is Mr. Bill Benton. Hello, hey, guys. Bill. Yeah, good to see you guys. How you doing? How's life with you these days? 
Oh, you know what? Just peachy and fun and wearing my mask. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) Although I will say one thing. This is the time if we're going to have one. Now is the time. You know, could you imagine us having a pandemic when we were young with three channels of TV that went off the air, you know, one in the morning. And then you got to go to homeschool with my old man as your teacher. (laughs) No, thank you. I got to get the crap meat out of me from my old man for my lunch money and then go to him to tell on it. No, thank you. I'll join the circus if I could. But you can't even join the circus now because they don't have them anymore. These kids, God love them. They were born to be in front of a, a screen for hours. Heck, you couldn't get them away from it when they didn't have to be there that's perfect (laughs) you do a great bit about parents going out that was one of my openers at the beginning when i was young and my kids were young you know i would come out and open and say look you know how how many parents do we have out here tonight you know i go look i didn't have to ask i could watch you people drink you know he said i know your parents because i you've got here early you've been drinking like fish you know he said these people are single they got here late they've only got one you know why because they can go on any time they want they don't care i said once you're a parent you get out like once every haley's comet at that point you, know? he said, I, you got out you planted like a nasa space launch didn't you they got the center at thursday morning to make sure she got here on time and then you could always see the parents he's right he's right you know and it's funny now I'm old, they still do that bit. People, you're right. <laughs> it just is one of those timeless truths. You know, once you're a parent, you sniff glue if you run out of alcohol. You don't care. <laughs> I said, you only thought you needed a drink before you had kids. Now you know you need a drink at this point. At that time, I was married 10 years or whatever. You know, now it's 35 going to be. You know, hey, who's been married? And uh, when my show business friends would hear in like, you know, 35 years, they go, oh, my God, really? Are you really married that long? I said, yeah. They said, well, can you give us advice, you know, marriage advice? And I go, look, first off, you never ask a guy for marriage advice because <laughs> every guy I've ever met, you ask me, it's like a car wreck. Go, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> just uh, hit the gas. And before you know it, here I am at this point. My bit would say there's always women writing marriage advice and their whole, they have a whole book of marriage advice. It comes down to don't go to bed angry. I read a whole book that said, don't go to bed angry. <laughs> and, and that doesn't work for me. If I can't go to bed angry, everybody's going to be angry. This whole house, is gonna, the dog's going to be angry. The paper boy's going to punch his mother in the mouth. They're all going to be angry. My dad gave me the greatest marriage advice. He said, Bill, finish your baseball. He said, get drywall up on the wall. Sure, it smells funny and there's spiders down there, but she doesn't like that smell and she's afraid of those spiders. Get your big butt down there. And and if you're smart, go to Sears, where people don't even know. You know, Sears, where we buy your pants, he would say. And and this is how I know I would find my fat kids. Every fat kid here knows that you went to Sears. If you were a skinny kid, you didn't go to Sears. Because Sears wasn't for fine haberdashery, right? <laughs> you go to Sears for a lawnmower, you know, a shop vac. You want fine haberdashery, you go to the other end of the mall. But I had to go there because they had my department. And every fat kid knows it was the husky department. <laughs> my mother would go, see, you're not fat, you're just husky. You got big bones. I'm like, you see my butt lately, Mom? had a bone in it. You know, a lot of meat on those bones. <laughs> And the crappy thing was, like, even in the husky department, normal-sized people don't know that your pants don't fit like shoes out of the box, right? Because your gut's always bigger than your legs are long. If your mom's nice, she'll cut them off to the right height so they're not dragging behind you. She's a pain in the butt like my mom. She'll roll them up into that beat the crap out of me. I'm a weedy tough, you know? Like, come on, mom. She goes, no, that's so when you grow up, you can roll them back down again. I'm like, I'll buy my own pants when I'm 40. I just want to get through junior high, for Christ's sake, without getting beat to death. <laughs> Although now it'd be my old man beating the crap out of me for it, because I wouldn't get to go to school. So that would be it. Does your uh, does your closet still have some fat pants? Some, I'm just fatter. <laughs> Look at me. I mean, come on. I love people who go. You have any skinny clothes? No, thank you very much. Never got to that point. Even when we were talking about wrestling, I would cut weight to try to get to 185. 
at 15 years old. You know? <laughs> so, so there you go. And I barely ever made it. That, mm. that was one great thing. When you wrestled heavy, you wanted more weight. I go, that, that, that's my weight class right there. I have a Twinkie. Oh, you idiots spitting in a baggie. I'm over here eating King Dongs, washing them down with Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> Uh, the most delicious chocolate water ever made. You. Oh, I'll tell you what. You who I want more. Thank you so much. <laughs> the heavier you are, you're better. It's sumo time, my friend. <laughs> Let me throw some salt and let's go to town. I'm ready. <laughs> so, what you doing these days? Now that uh, now that we've got this lovely pandemic, and you're a comic, and you're doing some uh, virtual shows. You're yeah. You- Unfortunately, yes. I'm not a great big Zoom guy. I wasn't at all beforehand. The bad thing about it, I've had meetings where there's 40, 50 people and they all shut off their video. So I'm sitting here staring at a blank DC screen. You know, it's like doing stand up into a cave. Unfortunately, you do need some interaction with these things. People go, oh, well, that was kind of dull. You know, go, well, yeah, because you guys all want to mute. I didn't know what you liked or didn't like or where I was or if anybody was even there. And then occasionally they'll think, oh, that's good people. You know, what was good? You know, this, that. I have been uh, a corporate comedian for a long time because it paid the bills Mm -hmm. and and got me home when my kids were little. So I wasn't at clubs for two and three weeks at a time. You know, I could do one or two corporate shows and make as much or more than I would for a week. And a a good chunk of them were at country clubs. And at that time, I still could golf and love to golf. So I have a great network in with a lot of uh, really good country clubs. And they're still doing, you know, their socially distanced members thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and actually, I just um, I'm I'm actually at uh, Fort Wayne Country Club, which is actually uh, my buddy Mike Moses is doing such a great job there, keeping it socially distant and like the county state has been there and even you know rewarded him for what he's done so there are clubs that are doing enough to keep it but the country clubs and the private clubs are able to still distance everyone and still be able to have their events but the thing about stand-up is you have to keep doing it. it's a muscle that needs working out you know i've been in it 35 37 years now if i could say what i like it about stand-up comedians I watch is I like it to feel like we're just talking as friends or we're you know you you don't see behind the the curtain you don't see the gears working of a setup and a punchline and a there are some guys that I do love that like a Stephen Wright or someone but for me and my style I'm a storyteller I I like when people come out of my show and go it it seemed like you were just up there you know talking Mm -hmm. I laughed all the time but I didn't know it was Joe. And what's great with friends are people that say to me, you know, Bill, how did you write that? Or, or what is the joke of that? I mean, I see the joke, but how did you come about crafting that? You know, and that to me is what is the joy of it is when people don't know that it is something that you labor over and you work at and right. you polish as you go along. They just get to see the cut stone. They don't see the rough diamond, you know, you're trying to get from A to B. The important part is the B, the joke, the laugh. You know, sometimes you get too caught up in the setup. You know, too many words ruin me. You know, a guy told me once, Bob Schimmel, Robert Schimmel, you ever get a chance, look him up. He's a brilliant, funny, amazing man. He, he told me, he goes, Bill, look, I want you to just audio record it and listen. Because you are a jazz drummer, Bill, and you are trying to get your beat. Your beat is the laugh. So figure out what your beat is. And a true good comic can get a good, at least a good laugh every 15 to 20 seconds. Think of yourself as a jazz drummer looking to hit that hi-hat every 15 to 20 seconds. If you're getting longer, you're playing too much other drum to not get to the hi-hat. You know, you need to cut out some of the verbiage or whatever it is you think is important because it's not because they're not laughing. The important part is the laugh. As you can tell here, I tend to go on and <laughs> so <laughs> it's good. It didn't get that at all. <laughs> down, you know, I mean, right. it, it, and, and as far as trying to do stand up and trying, you know, the difference between stand up and just making people laugh is that you need to get that beat going. 
because when you're making people laugh, you like each other. We're we're here, you know, your friends, and and they're willing to give you that chance. When you're at a comedy club where people have paid money, come in, and now they paid even more money to drink, mm-hmm. and their girlfriend now wants something to eat. And, <laughs> and comedy clubs are great first date nights out. Mm-hmm. So the guy's already dropped fifty bucks at the door. Finds out he's got to buy two drinks, and now this girl wants a steak. You know, I'm a hundred dollars in. This guy better do something for me, or you know, or I'm going to be pretty pissed off at this point. You know, and then the worst part is you're and, and like when you start out, you're the MC, you're the first guy. Yeah, you know, you're not even really making any money at this point, and everybody knows that. So they're like, I've already paid a hundred bucks. Now I got this schmuck coming up here. It's going to try and make me giggle. Is it even good enough to get real money? Uh, just a quick thing is I tell people, if you're a good MC or, God forbid, a great MC and people really like you at that point, you're only another 43 minutes away from being a great headliner because you've done the hardest job there is. Mm-hmm. Real quick, to sure. bring it back to Bob Schimmel, the, the first time we worked together, when he was getting ready to come off stage, go, hey, you know, it's time for me to go, you know, sure doesn't look hard to get people to laugh up here, but it is. And you always go, as the first guy proved, you know, and if people would laugh and cheer, they'd know, he would know that the first guy stunk. <laughs> but he goes, if people would go, oh, and, and get gut punch, he goes, wow, you know, this guy's good. And and what he, the first time we worked together was here in Cleveland. When we worked together, I was already a good MC. And again, these people knew me and I'm a local. And I had him going. And when he said that bit, it was funny. I loved it. I was in the green room. I left. I asked. Some people actually, like, booed him, you know, which I couldn't believe. I was like, oh. And Bob came off that stage and came back. And he, we didn't even know each other at this point. He comes up to me. He goes, dude, I got to watch your set next show. Because those people were going to kill me. You know, and I'm laughing. He, he, and I go, what? He goes, man, didn't you hear? And I pretended like I did hear. And then... Later on, when we got to be friends, he told me, he goes, Bill, that's my test. See, because he never watches, it's gone now, never watched any of the other comps. He goes, because I don't expect anything and I don't want them thinking that I took anything from them or mm-hmm. anything. He goes, but that's my test. Familiar what you're talking about, because the guy, I forget his name, the guy who owns Comedy Caravan here in town. For the MCs, what he used to do is he had a, a rotation of four of us morning guys. Uh, radio morning guys in town. Come on in, free drinks for the night, you know, MC the exactly. show. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know. It's like that everywhere. Yeah, you, go, you know that bitch you did this morning on the radio? Try that one. <laughs> no. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it doesn't quite hey, work that we, way. We've unfortunately run out of time here on uh, Golf is a Funny Game. Gosh, it's been great to have you on, Bill. And is there some place you want people to uh, see, to see your stuff? Do some shameless self promotion here. Uh, I actually, you know what? Now that you mentioned it, I will. I, th- what this pandemic has forced me to do is I'm putting together two separate sets. And I actually just finished my clean corporate set video that I'll have. It should be within the next probably two weeks that I'll have available, and then I have another video of my nightclub set which some people say is is uh r-rated other people it's more of a soft r i'm not a dirty comic but i'll have both of those up available to purchase for video downloads very soon and that'll be on billbenden.com bill benden is b-i-l-b-e-n-d-e-n you can email me at uh, BillBenden1L at Gmail if anyone would like to book me for any of their clubs or corporate events or, or country clubs. I'd love to do it at any time. Bill, great to have you on today on Golf is a Funny Game. Wouldn't be surprised if we asked you back. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah. You think there's more? Do you need more? <laughs> We've got more. Hang out. We'll be right back. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Men, want to feel younger, stronger, leaner? You don't have to slow down after 40. Frank Thomas found the secret to staying in shape with the energy and drive of his 20s. Man, you look like you could still hit it a mile. I feel great, too. What gives? After 40, men slow down. It's harder to stay in shape. Why? Our free testosterone levels drop. 
It happened to me. And then I found Nugenics Total Tea. New Nugenics Total Tea is our most powerful man-boosting formula ever because it boosts your free testosterone and your total testosterone. Nugenics Total Tea helps provide even more energy, performance, testosterone, and muscle-boosting ingredients for even better results. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text GRIT to 321321. Samples are not available in stores. Well, wait. What are you going to do something about it now? I got to try Nugenics Total Tea. Text GRIT to 321321 for your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. That's G-R-I-T to 321321. Once again, we, we are in awe of ourselves. <laughs> That makes that makes two of us. Oh man! I mean, that, James Blake, man, we didn't have to drag him in kicking or screaming or anything like that. No, I, I do have to tell you. Sometimes you have people on who are just uh, you just don't know what to expect because of their um, their notoriety. There you go. Exactly. Talk about down to earth, funny, relatable, mm-hmm. terrific. Just great. Yeah, it's it's great when people who are great can act like normal. But then he's not acting. I mean, he is normal. So he is normal. It's really yeah. cool. It's really cool. And I'm glad that uh, he he speaks so highly of the game of golf too. And it's Indeed. nice to see that that someone with with such great prowess in one sport is just average in another. It just <laughs> makes you feel good, <laughs> and yet still better than us. <laughs> yeah. Well, who isn't? <laughs> Uh, and thank you for not repeating that bad Noel joke to Bill because that. Uh, <laughs> After we have him on, I usually send these guys a, a, a thank you email. I think I'll probably leave it out. Of that. <laughs> maybe hope that he isn't listening past himself. <laughs> Next week, however, once again, we crack the. Oh, really? Are you kidding? This woman is an Emmy winning actress. She's known for being in soaps, she's yeah. known for. A bunch of appearances on shows like The Big Bang Theory. She played Roseanne in that TV uh, made-for-TV movie, uh, Inside Roseanne and Tom. Yeah. Um, she was Roseanne in yeah, that. And yeah. if you look her up, she looked exactly like Roseanne. Yeah. We are talking about Emmy Award-winning actress Patrika Darbo joining us next week. you got to be there for that. And we will have another one of the nation's funniest comedians to wow and amaze and entertain and keep you rolling on the floor laughing. Meanwhile, go find us on the web, if you would, at ApproachShot.net and mm-hmm. hit that subscribe button. We would really appreciate that as well. We definitely would. And and in the long run, you'll probably appreciate it, too, he there said. There you go. <laughs> Very confidently. <laughs> well, as long as we keep bringing people like James Blake and Patrika Darbo and Ken Harvey and Joey Greco and people like that, mm-hmm. hopefully you'll keep listening. That's it. And, you know, get involved in the game of golf a little bit, but don't take it all too seriously because you got to remember that the same people invented golf and called it a game that invented bagpipes and called it music. So. <laughs> there you go. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. Have a great week. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. You only want what's best for your baby. And so does BJ's. BJ's offers a variety of baby products that will take you from playtime to bath time to bedtime and beyond. Shop now through September 24th at BJ's for $3 off Johnson's, Aveeno, or Desitin baby products. Only the best will do when it comes to caring for your little ones and for parents, too. Give your baby that special care and save big at BJ's.